0: glad to have you guys here glad to be here
1: all right uh if you don't mind introducing yourself for the people
0: my name is eddie purpose i'm the founder executive director of progress pushers come on community leader come on advocate activist for the people uplifter empower right Uh, say it yeah father of two all right all right absolutely
2: yeah, man, my name is Eugene Youngblood, but you're going to hear more folks just say Youngblood, right? One name, like Kobe. Okay. Right, like Prince, right? Oh. <laughs> Keep it with Youngblood, right? That's how we moving. Right. And, right, uh, right, you right. know, and it is moving, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I do my community work through the Freedom Project, man. So, you know, I, I collect checks from the Freedom Project, but I'm employed by the community and I'm answerable to the community, right? Mm. And so I do work to empower folks to get in the best position of they self and, uh Fulfill and live out their highest potential, right? right, And so sometimes they might need some assistance on getting there, right? right? And that's what I'm here for.
1: Nah, man, and uh, I really appreciate you guys coming. And um, I really appreciate the work you guys are doing. And that's why we're here, right? You know, pros and cons. That's what we are, right? We're professionals, but we're also ex-convicts. I think it's important that certain voices are amplified, right? Um, That certain narratives are dispelled, and your presence here today, you know, uh, is a really important step in that direction. I think we need to start putting a face on individuals who are coming home from prison. I think the community needs a more authentic, right? um, Face and narrative about the process of what happens to individuals after incarceration. So the fact that you guys are here uh, means a lot, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, with that being said, I know you personally, right? And so, I can appreciate your growth, I can appreciate where you guys come from, I can appreciate what you guys went through, you know, on a personal level, and I just want to make sure that the people get a chance to get a glimpse of that. So, I'd like to start off with you, uh, Eddie, um, just uh, if you could let me know, like, uh, of course, you, you know, before you became the professional that you are now, you know, you were, you were, you were a young man. And I was just wondering about the environment that you grew up in, maybe, and some of the choices that led you in the direction uh, that, 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 that your life went.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I uh, <clears throat> ended up relocating to an area called uh, Westway and further right off that highway. And, uh, you know, definitely, unfortunately, some of the same community ills, rise, societal ills. Um, when we talk about uh, group and gang violence, when we talk about uh, plagues of um, you know drugs and, and destruction you know um, I was bur- I was I was I grew up in that type of an environment and I always say you know I'm a school to prison pipeline example right mm. I literally left school at the age of 16 um, committed a home evasion on robbery and um, ultimately ended up serving a 12 and a half year sentence of a 14-year sentence and so Hold on, hold on. How old were you when this happened? 16. 16. Mm, so you you were a juvenile. I was a juvenile. Did they
1: charge you as an adult?
0: Got declined on as a juvenile, charged as an adult. Uh, went on a run at 17 once I realized it wasn't going my way. Mm-hmm. And uh, Got to get on that good foot. Right. And, uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> I was on a run for a whole year. Okay. Um, And, uh, you know, uh, once I got uh, captured, I was 18, youngest person at Walla Walla in 2003. Mm. Uh, You know, that's where I met Young Blood here, right? Okay. uh, Back then. I I, I keep telling them, man, we know each other, man. We family, man. Right, right. So as a teenager, I've been, you know, knowing you guys since I was a kid. And so, uh, you know, transitioned um, from boyhood to manhood right behind the walls. Mm -hmm. And so, but, you know, the background is just consistent with, many other stories that we hear about uh, from individuals that was raised um, without positive guidance, right? And so um, so I always say, you know, that we don't kids, adolescents, right? Don't seek positive role models, right? They just go after who's around, right? And so right. we ended up following around, who was around, who was available, who was doing what. They became cool so everything that they did I associated that with being cool right and so uh this is what led to uh the misguidance and ultimately certain decisions that ended up uh leading to my incarceration okay
2: young blood yeah man uh so I'm from Los Angeles right and so I'm from okay. a, I'm from a space called West LA and so Ooh. most most people who know here West LA and the first thing they think of is that ain't compton. Right. That ain't Watts, right? Okay. That ain't South Central, right? So they feel like that means I wasn't impoverished, right? right? right, right. And because of that, they have some kind of particular view about what that means to them. Oh,
1: well, is that
2: right? Yeah, without right. the realization being that while I had might have a few more dollars, right? We might have been okay financially a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. We still was lacking hope, right? right we right. still was in we still was deprived of uh, a bright future, right? right? And so we're still looking at things from a negative perspective, right? right? And it's still gang members, it's still drugs, it's still this and that, right? right? I just live where they got green grass and shit better than they got than it's just all concrete, right? But it's still the same thing, right? Like we know it. And and so um, you know, before I was a gang member, man, I was more like the gang mascot, mm. you know. I was the first real little homie, okay. like you know, there was other cats you know, from the neighborhood who were um, so on and so forth. But I was 11, you know, so I was the first real little kid. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and so I come through, I grow up, I'm a little C-boy. Mm-hmm. I grow up, I'm, I'm, I'm going through the ranks or whatnot. I'm doing my thing, me and my little community of folks who, who we grew up together and shit. And what they, today they call it a gang, but, you know, really that's a power group. Right. You know, it's what I talk about. That's a community organization. Is a coin that's turned by um, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, right? He okay. say, you know, don't, 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 don't call that no gang. That's a community organization, right? And so, and so, yeah. So I like to take that perspective, and because when I think about it, you know, and so, you know, misguided, undecided. You know about what we wanted to do but in the truth is i was just being down for my friends you know my friends were just being down for me right and we were committed to one another right, and right. that's how that happened right and so um i ended up coming to washington originally in 1988 as a 15 year old um with my friends you know um pushing the drug thing you know uh, gang members had this thing where they was coming from los angeles and spreading across the world in the 80s right And so right, right. i end up in minnesota at first okay and then i came to washington okay. and then i would come back and forth never staying longer than 90 days i was never here longer than 90 that. days uh, yeah. Like, a lot that from yeah and so i was never here longer than 90 days and then in 1991 i got caught up in this murder and uh ended up going to prison in 1991 ended up getting arrested in 1991 and uh, ultimately, um, being sentenced to life without and uh, or sentenced to a de facto life sentence, exactly, mm. which meant that I would spend the rest of my life in prison. Wow. And uh, I ended up being released on clemency from Governor Jay Inslee in um, 2021. So I went to prison in 91. I was released in 2021. Come on. Come on. Come on. And to put it in better perspective, I went to prison at 18 and got released at 48. You know, I did exactly ten thousand six hundred and sixty-one days. Wow. Right. And so I talk Bro, about you I, Absolutely. I went I went back and did it though. I didn't do it while it was doing it because I thought I wasn't getting out. Man. But once I got out, I needed to count. You know why? I needed to count because if you don't count something, how can you make it count? Oh, right. Boy. And so yeah. I went back and counted it up so that I can make sure boy, that I, I make it say count.
1: That, say that one more time. Yeah. If you don't
2: know. count something, how can you make it Bro. count? Right. Perfect. And so I went back to tally it up. Right, and I did my tally so, you know, I could talk about it, you know, because I needed to be able to talk about it. I need to be able to tell folks, to tell folks, especially to young people, and tell them, man, you know, you you can make one bad choice, as the brother uh, Marshall talks about with us with Alive and Free taught me, you make one bad decision, man, and it costs you your whole life, you know. And so just think about that. So when I get the (laughs) chance to talk to young people, I tell them in that language, man, I did 10,661 days, man, you want to do that? Man. You know, And, and so... You know, I went to prison, my oldest daughter was fourteen months. My other daughter, she was still pregnant. You know, Mm. so she was still in the belly. Mm. You know, I get out, they 32 and 31. Mm. You know what I mean? And then even more important, and then even more important and even more heavy than that, I get out and my mom passed away. You know, my mom passed away in 2019. Mm. So before I got out in 2021. And so, you know, when we think about the things that we do, and we hardly rarely do we stop and think about the effect that it's caused on your own folks. Right. You know, and you don't realize that and you don't appreciate that. So, you know, sometimes they say uh, a lesson that's not learned in blood isn't really learned, right? right. And so sometimes we got to learn shit the hard way. You know, I you remember. Know, it's
1: interesting you said that. Mm-hmm. I want to just jump in. Come on. How you explain that, you know, lessons aren't learned in blood aren't really learned the way yeah, they're, they're often to, forgotten. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting when we think about crime, right? Or we think about poverty and uh, we think about social economics and how it affects you know others especially children right we always think about those who are victims of it right and victims is always seen through one lens no one recognizes that these kids are victims absolutely right and we don't recognize that our families are victims too right right? like the things that we do don't just affect us right they affect the people that we harm right they affect our own families right and these kids that we're talking to, like they don't see that. They only see the harm they're causing, and in their mind, sometimes that harm is justified, right? They don't see the harm that they cause themselves, the harm they cause their family, right? And at, at the same time, society doesn't see the way that they're being harmed, right? And I just want to just key on that, like, because you you had spoken in blood, right? And these are these lessons in blood, but we're the only ones paying attention. Right. And that's why we need to talk about this, because we're the only ones really paying attention to both sides that we're victimizing people because we've been victimized and hurt. People hurt people. And so to get to the root of it, we got to have these hard conversations.
2: No, absolutely. And, and really quickly, <laughs> let me try to just express this based on what you said. And that is that there's this dynamic between folks who have caused harm. hmm and folks who have been harmed. Mm. And the dynamic of the system makes us antagonistic towards one another, right? Right. And so it ends up being like the Bloods and the Crips. Like we're really beefing. Like they don't want nothing to do with us, we don't want nothing to do with them. So what ends up happening is, the person who caused harm most often doesn't really appreciate or really able to fully comprehend the gravity of which they, the harm of which they have caused. Mm. And then on the other side, the person who's been harmed is unlikely if ever to see what transformation looks like what healing looks like right Right. what that process looks like of growth and maturity right right? because they can't see it because they still live in what they pain right right? and because if I don't never address my pain I wouldn't be able to address the harm I've caused and if they don't address their pain they're not ever going to be able to address the reality that folks can grow through what they've done
1: just as, as they have
0: man Well, I did have, you know, uh, when you spoke about, uh, you know, us not really understanding the the impacts of our harms and things like that. And I think it's very important to note that uh, what we're seeing is only the residual effects of societies, systems, right, that has actually created these atmospheres, these structures that, 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 that that the results from it, that that happens from the results. Does that make sense, right? And so it's the systems that's actually creating these conditions, Mm -hmm. right, and then so we're just responding based on the conditions that was presented to us, right? And so when you said that we don't, and you're right, we don't know, and this is why it is important for those of us who actually been through those experiences to now to go back to the schools, to now to go back to the institutions, Mm. now to go back to the communities Mm. in order to enlighten our young people on what is actually happen- happening, and to lighten them, the community yeah. on what is actually happening to you. Right, right? you're a right. victim of the system. A system is an organized scheme or method, right? And so it's been wait, a wait, scam. Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. Say that again. If you look up the word system, right? The second definition for the word system is an organized scheme or method. So it's Ugh. been a scam, right? And so. Um, when we talk about us now being able to go back into these atmospheres and to be able to enlighten them, right? More about self, more about their actions, more about their thoughts. Um, it is. It's on us to be able to do that. We have to do that as part of our responsibility yeah, now. As part of
2: our duty. Talk about it.
1: Yeah,
0: and yeah, uh, and, and that's why I created the podcast, right?
1: Because our voices, particularly your voices. Need to be amplified, and why I say your voices is, is because of the work that you guys are both doing. So if you could just, uh, I'll start with you, Young Blood. Just tell me about some of the work you've been doing, you know, and uh, whatever organizational or, you know, uh, personal, you know, uh, events or things that have been happening.
2: All right. So, so really, um, we'll, we'll be here all day trying to list all that laundry list, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll give you the breakdown. Like I said, you know, I do my community work through the Freedom Project, and I mean that. You know, I'm answerable to the community, but I have to do that work through a nonprofit, and we do that through the Freedom Project, mm-hmm. right? And so um, I'm able to do a bunch of things to help folks re enter society mm-hmm. and try to get back on their feet, but I'm not saving nobody, mm-hmm. right? Because folks have to get in position to what we want to do is make folks sustainable. Yeah. And the best way to do that is to try to bridge the gap from where they are to where they want to be. Okay. And so we're just trying to create a bridge so that they can get from point A to point B, okay. which is there, right, mm-hmm. to have success in, their, in one's own life. Mm-hmm. And so we do a lot of different things and offer a lot of different things. But the most important thing we stand on, and I say we because it's not my concept, it's the concept of the Freedom Project, which is we believe in relationship over resource. Mm. Right, and so you can give folks any kind of resources, any kind of money, or anything, but that's why a cat can win a lottery today and be broke next year. Wow. Because he, most often, because he don't have relationships, because the things that he don't know, he don't have nobody to call and talk to him with honesty and ask, hey. You know, what's going on with this situation? How can I deal with this? I don't know how to deal with this. Help me understand this. And folks can help them out. So, you know, we believe in relationship over resource. So essentially what we're really doing is just building relationship. Mm. And so one of the other things I've been doing is I go, we go to the UW. And at the UW, every Monday we work with this class of college students about how to break down the school-to-prison pipeline. Okay. And one of the things I talk to them about is I emphasize that just because they left high school, don't mean that it's over. They need to continue to reach back to high school. Like Mm. I'm reaching back to them, their responsibility is to reach back to the high school. Because we know the high school is where the school to prison pipeline starts to get to its crescendo, right? starts to get to its top where it's gonna fall down from there, right? right? right, right. And so if you made it that far, if you made it to high school, chances are if you're already in trouble, that's gonna be a wrap for you, that's it. And so I want the college students to know that they have a responsibility to go back And help them young people see their way forward, right? Oh. See their way forward and be able to do that. And so we do that. And then Wednesday and Saturday is kind of the highlight of my life, man. I um I go to the King County Juvenile Detention Center. Come on. And so I teach a class through the IF Project. And in teaching this class, what I do is I, I came to the recognition that those guys go to school on a regular Seattle Unified School District program, right? Okay. So they're in school six, seven hours a day. Mm-hmm. So when I go teach a class, I don't do no writing I don't do no reading. Mm-hmm. We just sit down in a circle and we chop it up. And the, the confidence of the circle comes from what we learned in the practices of the BPC, right? Right, and right. So the Black Prisoners Caucus. And okay. so what we do, we sit in circle because we know the power of the circle, that there's no beginning and no ending, and that everybody within that makes up the circle is important. Right. And if this one person is removed, then the circle is no longer whole. Right. Therefore, we are missing something. Mm-hmm. So it lets the young people know that everybody's important there. And which something I think is more important than that, which is we all get to see each other's faces. Cause I believe in the exchange of energy. Okay. And so we need to be able to exchange energy and the young people need to exchange it between each other and just talk about what they're going. So I'll give you a brief brief synopsis of my last class. So what I did was I asked all of them, how much do you think it costs to build this place? And there was like 5 million, million 500,000, all of them had different guesses. So I told them, yeah, I did some research before I came. I actually looked it up on Google and it cost 242 million right. to build that place. And so then my 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 commentary to them was, if it costs 242 million to build the place, essentially what's happening is the state of Washington, the government of the state of Washington, the Seattle, the city of Seattle and King County mm-hmm. is all willing to invest 242 million in your failure. Right. Because they built this place knowing that somebody was gonna come here and you end up being the somebody. So now the real question is, not how much money did they spend on that, but the real question is, if they willing to spend 242 million in your failure, how much are you willing to spend on your success? you know, and the truth of the matter is, we should never let nobody be more invested in our failure than we are in our own success. And so you should never let nobody be more invested in your failure than you are invested in your own success. And so the point to the young people was from now on, now that you met me, from now on, I need you to tell yourself every time there's a confrontation, because there's always going to be confrontation in juvenile, out of juvenile, in the house, between your head and your heart. There's always going to be some confrontation, right? The key to the confrontation is you need to ask yourself, am i investing in my success and if you're not investing in your success you need to walk away from that conflict right you need to be able to be strong enough to do that it takes strength to be able to do that right and so that's you know the highlight of my life is being able to go there and talk to the young people and just this past week something happened man brought tears to my eye man and you know me I'm, i'm not afraid i'm not a guy who's afraid of being vulnerable who's not afraid to show my feelings and shit man they made me cry man the young people um i went in there so when i came i told them this mantra You know, mantra being something simple that you say to yourself every day, all day to kind of remind yourself of something that's powerful for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what I told them was I said, hey, man, this ain't no punishment. This is preparation. Right. And so then every time they see me, they say, man, young blood, man, this ain't punishment. This is preparation. So it's cool while I'm there. Right. But. I wonder how they feeling when I'm not there. So I come there last week and everybody's on lockdown because somebody broke the computer in the library. So they got the whole joint on lockdown. Okay. But they did me a solid. They let me go to room to room and talk to them because I know how important that is because I've been in, I've been locked down, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't just turn around and walk away. I, I said, let me go to every room. So let me go to every room. So I walk in the first pod and they don't know I'm there. So I walk in and the young person at the end is hollering, man, this is messed up, man. Hey, I was on lockdown. This don't make no sense, man. I want to go outside. I want to come out, you know, whatever, whatever. And the other dude telling him, hey, don't forget, man. This ain't no punishment. This is preparation. You know? And I start crying, man. I just, it touched me, man, because I know that, I know that uh, it's not just words, right? Right. They're living by it. And that's what I want them to do. I want them to live by it, man. Because, you know, simple as we know. That if you think that's the worst experience for you in your life, that's what it's gonna be. Yeah. But if you think that's preparation and that's something that's gonna make you get better, then that's what it's gonna be. And I wish somebody had gave me that right. early on in my right. life right. instead of me right. having to learn it. Right. You know, yeah. kinda like all of us. We all learned it, but we had to go through it to learn it. Right. And our responsibility now is to give it to them so they don't have to take that long trek. Well, like I'll right. tell you, man, you, you know, that we job, did. Huh?
1: You're doing your job. I give you that, man. You really are, man i gotta say that man you really are doing the things you're supposed to be doing so what i want to ask mr purpose is what are you doing over
0: there on your end oh so you know i was released in 2015 i started progress pushers in 2018
2: um, hold on let me interrupt that he didn't start progress pushers in no 2018. oh he's right because i knew about progress pushers when he still was independent right so let's let's press rewind on that let's press rewind on that because i want to make sure that this is authentic and and make sure that he give himself his own props. You know, sometimes we don't give ourselves our props. So back that up. Let's talk about that. He's absolutely
0: right. I'm glad you said that, Youngblood, because in 2009, uh, I was in the hole at Moreau. And I remember writing on a piece of paper while in the hole plans for the future at the top of this paper. And I literally put down on the list just a list of things that I wanted to do. I wanted to accomplish upon my release. And one of those things was to start and operate an a organization that's literally what Progress Persons is doing right now. And so, uh, absolutely right. And so, to,
1: and, and... and That's
0: amazing, bro. Yeah, and, 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 and thank you. And I've been able to manifest that. And So, when we talk to the youngsters about the power of manifestation, the power of thought, right? Those who say they can and those who say they can't are usually both right. And so, when I... Created the concept of what I wanted to do I literally jotted down Some of the elements that progress Persons is actually doing right now mind you I got in, I, I was incarcerated in 2003 2009 is when I wrote that out On that paper I didn't get out to 2015 Right and so Three years after my release I was Able to uh, uh, allow that thing to Manifest right and So I left the Urban League I was working at Urban League For about three years uh, Fresh out of prison Um, Started off as outreach Then did uh, You know Got uh, promoted to uh, Case management Which is You know Navigation And um, Ended up Facilitating classes At the Kent Regional uh, Justice Center Jail Mm. um, To men and women Who was getting released uh, Teaching them all life skills Job readiness um, and
1: now, I that, just want to say, man, like it's real amazing, man, because that, that they don't tell these stories, right? Right. Like they tell you, oh, this person got out and reoffended. Oh, this person's got
0: out and he's on the run. Right. right? This this person got out, he's wanted, right? Well, statistics show, right, in Washington State, fifty percent. When we talk about recidivism, and Washington State, recidivism is fifty percent nationwide, is seventy percent. I believe both of those numbers is higher because of other factors that they don't include. However, this it still shows that. Those of us all of us right now. Right. We did a a, a, a number of years. Right. All of us did well beyond 10 years of incarceration Mm -hmm. based on statistics and data. We were supposed to have been returned within a year. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the, the beauty of of our stories is that we have been able to beat the odds. But right. We're not the exception. What it is is we've been able to receive certain supports certain services certain resources that community. a lot of brothers and sisters do not receive upon their release right, right? we've been able to capitalize off of those and now we've been um, able to be thrust into positions of community leadership so now our responsibility is higher right, right. and so for me I've, I've taught at uh, Kent Regional Justice Center jail uh, workshops uh, going back and forth to different prisons conducted okay. workshops uh, you know the juvenile institution at Green Hill mm-hmm. um South Seattle College I was actually you know um uh, uh, one of the uh instructors right I was a part-time instructor um uh, Seattle Central uh as well um and mind you I was teaching at these college institutions without any college background right and oh, wait, so wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. Said that one more time for
0: people. Well I was teaching At college institutions Without college backgrounds huh? Now however I was I Fresh was, out the joint Now here's the here's No it's a, important That the people understand it, that it, Now it, listen man I, I respect Your
1: humble brag right But see my job Is to amplify that shit right Cause that's my job man You do your job I'm gonna do my job And my job is to make sure That people understand That the community Is filled with individuals Who are getting out Of incarceration And they're going And teaching college classes without a college degree. So when you hear these horror stories about, you know, these individuals from your community who are your brothers and your nephews and your uncles and your dads, you have to understand the stories they're telling you aren't true, right? And so I just want to pause to make sure, right? You understand that it's not the exception. They don't, right? right? They're being told a whole bunch of lies, right? Because they're gonna keep seeing friend after friend on this couch. They're like, I keep hearing all these guys is going to prison and getting out and going back to prison, but I'm hearing about all these individuals who are not just getting out, but giving back to the community. You know what I'm saying? Not just getting out, but using their experiences and their mistakes and their lessons to make sure that the next generation isn't having the same problems and difficulties, right? And so I just wanna make sure that the people understand that aspect, right? But I apologize for interrupting, man. I got to brag for you, bro. And I'm proud of you, man. And the community should be proud, right? Because they're not just doing this. They're doing this against the odds, right? You know, Again, not just the odds, but against the narratives, right? Yeah. And so it's just really important, man, that, that that the people who
0: take the time to listen to this understand what's going on in our community. Right, absolutely. And, I, you know, I want to say this too, right? I've taught at multiple capacities and multiple institutions, multiple places. But I, I got to give flowers to my brother right here to the left of me. Uh, because a lot of people know me for you know the trainings uh, the the you know the the, the groups that I teach uh, uh, workshops and all these different things but it all started from this guy right here right uh, in 2008 when we were out of state, Arizona bro it was out over- That's where it started in Washington for me. state right bro.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. And oh, I want to say, just, you just now, right, you just right, right, now bro. putting that together. Come on, no, man. Ahead, Come
0: on, man. Have us all sitting here, right? Yeah, and I want to say, us all, bro
2: Yeah, blood, on camera to the. Ca- I
0: want to say this. I want to. I want to let you know, sincerely, how much I appreciate you, bro. Because like I said, a lot of do. Pe- a lot of people love, do know love. me for teaching and, and educating in various capacities and places. But a lot of people don't know. I first got my teaching. Um experience and moment through you that opportunity was through you at uh where were we at arizona red, arizona. Rock. red rock arizona and so what happened was they didn't have no programs yeah the prison had us. no programs no programs for us no red programs rock. at that prison matter of fact they gave us uh, 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 uh playstations and um and xboxes they didn't give them to us we had to buy them but they allowed us to have those things to babysit us to pacify us right And so uh, what this brother did was he went to the administration and he said, no, we still need to learn. We we still need to teach ourselves about certain concepts, um, about self-awareness, right, Um, about conflict resolution, critical thinking. We need to learn about these things and we don't want to learn it for you guys. I created my own curriculum. This is him. I created my own curriculum. I want to get all the young guys together and we're going to learn. And so they gave him a space, gave him a room. He created his own curriculum. Um, I believe I, you know, I I, I was able to, to, to learn from him a few classes, and then what he did was amplify my leadership and put put me in a position to now begin to teach a lesson, right? That's what we're supposed this to do. This sparked it. something within me. That was 2008. And now I know I can do it because he gave me opportunity to do it, right? Right. right. And so this is exactly what we're doing with the youth. Right? Uh, When I, you know, let me say this. So we go to uh, school board meetings, we go to city hall meetings, right? And so we are learning, we're teaching these youngsters about the importance of learning about laws and policies that affects their life, right? Mm. So I went to a school board meeting. Um, There was an opposing group, let's just say it like that, who was uh, really adamant about uh, getting the bad students out of school, right? And so they were going down the list of uh, crimes that these students were committing while in the uh, public schools. And so uh, um, they their solution was to lock them up and throw away the key. Well, we know where they got us. Right. What that has gotten our people in the past, lock them up and throw away the key. And so when I was time for me to go up there and speak, what I said. Oh, one thing that they said was that the teachers are afraid. And so when it was time for me to go up there and speak, I said, if teachers are afraid, they shouldn't be teaching. All these, all, all of them booed me, right? <laughs> Boo! Get your ass out of here. I was the only black man there, right? <laughs> Get your ass out of here. The lady looked at me while I was on the podium. She said, wrong comment. And so, <laughs> so look, I said, hold on. I said, we often fear what we don't understand. Mm. So if you're fearful of your students, you're telling me that you didn't seek to understand your Mm. students, right? And so when we talk about amplifying leadership, those so-called class clowns, right, those so-called troublemakers that's in the school, that's in the groups, we amplify their leadership. Clearly, you have some type of gift. Where other students are being attracted to come you, on, right? Come on. And so why not put you on front stage to teach a lesson? Why not put you on front stage to uh, create your own lesson of what you want to talk about? So now we're amplifying your leadership mm. and give you an opportunity. Guess what? Just like how the opportunity was given to me when I was why? a kid in prison.
1: Because we're the only ones who are gonna do it for us. Absolutely. Because the reality is they'll dress it up like they're doing it for us, mm-hmm. right? They'll toss money at a problem, right? They'll come with the cameras and talk about the problem, but the reality is they're not doing nothing about it. Because if they were, it would have been done by now. And so the reality is we have to do it for
0: ourselves. Yeah, because we can't we can't expect them to help so-called fix us, right? Mm. We can't. And so what we are doing in communities, in schools, in these in juvenile institutions, we're going in there breathing life to them in a way that nobody else can do, right? We can speak about the experience that you guys are going through because we've been through it, right? right? right, right. And so uh, we're coming from a different perspective uh, which able, which is which is in return able to empower them right well it's not just a different
1: perspective it's the perspective that matters
0: that's right right you
1: could have all the schooling you could have went to all the Ivy League schools you could have all the statistics but if you can't relate to these kids right right it doesn't matter if you have all the answers right right if they right. don't relate to you they're not going to be open to anything right. you have right. Right. And So you have you don't just have a different perspective. You have the only perspective that matters. That's right. right? And that's why what you're doing is so important. Absolutely. And so with that being said, I just want to pivot real quick and talk about maybe some of the systemic obstacles or impediments that you're seeing, you know, uh, that, you know, that are in the way, whether it's intentional or maybe it's just uh, administrative, or maybe it's accidental, but there, there must be some issues that you're seeing reoccurring that you think need to be addressed in order to allow you guys to be able to do the things that you do the way only you can.
2: So I won't get too heavy, mm-hmm. you know, because, again, that's something that comes with a lot of nuance right. that we really can draw out from. And right, maybe course, we need to make course. a whole nother show just about that. Right. right. But the quick answer is. For me, it's really when you talk about like carve outs, right? And so when I see that, when we terms of resources that you'll have folks that are in need of housing or in need of certain employment or in need of um, getting yourself in a better situation and the places that offer that Mm -hmm. will say, not if it's a violent offender, not if you've committed a harm against a person, not if you committed a sex offense, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they'll carve you out for any number of reasons, and then what happens is then those folks are the folks who's flipping through the cracks because now they can't even get the services they need Mm -hmm. to even get sustainable. Mm -hmm. Not Forget thriving. Mm -hmm. They can't even get to a point of sustainability. They can't even take care of themselves. And so just think, like, That's one of the real impediments, bro, is because they think that um, like it's that uh, it's the thing like my bro David says that, uh, you know, when you hear folks talk about uh, nonviolent offenders versus violent offenders, that's just a euphemism for saying black and white. Right. right and so they say oh, we got this Dog yeah we got this but this isn't for we don't we won't help nobody who got a violent crime or who got a crime against a person that's really like saying we ain't helping no folks we ain't helping no black folks right right, right, right. And we helping nonviolent drug offenders and you know we want to help people who and also another thing I realize you know in doing this work is people will say well we only want to help people who really want help. And the people who want help are the people who ask him for help, mm-hmm. not realizing that folks who come from our community have that. been traumatized or we don't know. Well, you're right. We don't know. But also we've been traumatized by going to these systems and getting our hands slapped back right. or not getting nothing or getting cut off or getting carved out to where that now we don't even want to ask for nothing. Mm-hmm. So you'll see somebody in and they really need some help, but they won't ask for it because they've been traumatized by a previous experience mm-hmm. through dealing with these systems. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's why you need folks who look like us, who come from the community, who are the community. Again, we mm-hmm. are the community, right? And so we we need to be there because we understand that nuance right there. Right. Like, we know what's not being said, right. right? Okay, they ain't asked for no help, but you know what that is? They really need it, though. Look at what's happening And there's right something there. I
1: really want to key in on that you mm-hmm. said real quick, and then I want to uh, uh, tap in with you, with you real fast. And that's, uh, you know, sometimes I think individuals, when they hear things like, how you doing, youngin?" You want to come say hi real quick you better hurry up if you want to go not and get in here man this is geneva come on and say hi all right now get your butt out of here we got work to do so uh one thing i think that's really important that we think about is that a lot of people in the public will say well maybe they don't deserve these services right maybe because It's a violent crime. Why should they get this help, right? This is the hard-on-crime perspective that's pushed in this narrative that's actually unbalanced and unhealthy for a society that's trying to move forward and heal in any way. And the reality is when these individuals who they tell you don't deserve these services are the ones who need them the most, right? And what happens when they slip through the cracks, they re-offend. They reoffend, and what happens is you're setting these people up to victimize others by victimizing them through the system, right? The whole point is correction, rehabilitation, right? Punishment as well. But you, if you're just punishing without correction or rehabilitation, that's torture. So you're torturing souls and then releasing tortured souls out into the community where they're now living next to my mother, your brother your sister this is what our system but the system is then telling us yeah but they don't deserve it they need it the most and that's why this perspective needs to be spoken and that's why it's only spoken by those in the community because they're the only ones who understand and that's why what you do is so important so you are the founder of an organization if i'm not
0: correct mm-hmm. correct progress pushers yep and so Pushing progress Pushing progress absolutely so you know we got many different elements of what we do, right? Um, but the main one is definitely, uh, you know, mentorship, right? Uh, like C Boy said the best, building relationships with our young folks, and so that comes in, a, in two different capacities, right? And so we got one-on-one mentorship where once, and, and, and let me say this, we're not just working with all youth and young adults, right? We're specifically working with those youth and young adults who have been most marginalized, come on right? Most oppressed. Most uh, gang group power dynamic involved. Yeah. Right? The ones
2: who they say don't deserve it. The, the ones,
0: ones who scared they to go. De- right. Give them the, us ones, the who ones you're scared of. A part of the don't the throw them away. The- Give them to us. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Come on. The ones who are part of the so-called uptick in crime, right? Mm-hmm. These are the ones who we're working with, and uh, so once they get once they get enrolled, they get connected to a navigator. That navigator will begin to identify certain goals, certain needs, not putting on them what they think they should do. But really, just uh, working with them to, a, to, 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 to discover their skills, to then be able to put their skill set to something that they wanna do. Not just, oh, I wanna get a job. We try to get them to be specific, right? Don't be a leaf in the wind, oh, I just wanna get a job. Be general. No, be specific about what you wanna do and why you wanna do it, right? And so, this is really the angle. And so, um, 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 helping to empower and create self sustainability are really the two main things, right? And so we go off a model, do a forum, do a with them, and then watch them do it. And so uh, we're helping them with employment. We're helping them with housing. We're helping them with, you know, uh, they may they may have an apartment, but the apartment's not furnished, right? We're buying couches and beds, right, and things like that. Uh, they may need gift cards, right, for the week, because uh, maybe that maybe they do got a job, but they're spending all their money on their bills and things like that, and they need food, right? And so we're helping in those different capacities as well. Um, those who have, you know, dropped out of school, we're getting them reengaged in school, right? Come on. We're, going, we're showing up the court dates, talking about the positive things that they're doing in community because we're connecting them to community, uh, um, um, uh, community events, right? Um, I, I just showed you that flyer, right? Yeah, Hold that yeah. flyer We gotta, we got a community. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Come on, come on. So we. <laughs> yeah. So, we got a, a community event. You know, we do community events every three every every, every three months, every quarter. Uh, we go back and forth from West Seattle to Federal Away doing our community events. Every event has a theme. Um, everything we do is youth-focused. Fo- and so, this event is going to be leadership development, right? And so, all those youngsters, all those youth who are enrolled, right, they now have an to- opportunity to speak at the events. Even the youth who are in Green Hill, they got opportunity to come and um, call in, right? They're calling in, speaking to the public about things that they've been able to uh, learn and things like that along the way. So in addition to the one-on-ones, we also have group mentorship where we're going to schools, we're going to juvenile institutions, we're in certain communities, um, and our groups, right, we got, we got four phases of curriculum, life skills, job readiness, leadership development, and civic engagement, and so each of those phases of curriculum um, delves into different Point right and so we always start with life skills that's dealing with self Mm -hmm. right we're talking about generational curses we're talking about vices and values we're talking about the importance of forgiveness right and all these different things and so um um so with those one-on-ones with the groups we also got a community events and we also are taking them to we're 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 taking them to different political forums right we're going to city hall meetings we're going to school board meetings because they need to be Dr. Edward Nichols said we must politicize our youth as early as possible concerning the many systems that they'll be funneled into right and so uh, You know we're, we're teaching them on the branches of government, right? We're, we're, we've, 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 we've taken youngsters to Olympia to meet with senators and state representatives, right? So they can learn more about the laws and the policies that's affecting their lives and their community, right? And so I uh, In addition to those things, you also asked the questions about some of the uh, pitfalls, right, that that, that we faced. I did, I did, I did. And so I wanted to say this is that this is an uphill battle, right, because, again, we're against a system that needs these bodies to perpetuate itself, right? And so some of the pitfalls is that we're against certain... Members in society that literally just don't understand the work that we're doing. So we talk about investing into the community, right? In their mind, why is this money going into the community? Shouldn't they be doing this for free, right? They don't understand. Right. We've actually become trained professionals, right? Right. We're trained professionals, mm. and based on our based on our training, based on our experience, based on our expertise, right? Mm. This makes us trained professionals to be able to do the work that we do in the lives of these young folks, right? like Eugene said we're not here to save we're just here to give them give the youngsters tools so they can in return save themselves the choice is theirs right and so some of the pitfalls that i see is uh, financial pitfalls right so i got our team of 10 and in order to increase capacity we got to be able to uh, have dollars to be able to pay for just like you know just like you go to an institution You got all these different people that's able to send their kids to college off of the backs of these junctions who are in these institutions. We got to be able to uh, to have sustainable jobs within ourselves. Right. We got 90 percent of individuals who work for progress, pushers who've also been impacted by the injustice system. So they need they they need sustainability as well. Right. Um, So in order to increase capacity, of course, there's dollars that's attached to that. Another pitfall is this. We're one of the only organizations in federal way doing the work that we do with the population of youth that we serve. However, we've been funded by King County to do the work that we do in Federal Way. But the funds that they give us, do you know, they only give us $300 per 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 student a year. $300 per young person a year is not sustainable, right? Right. That's not sustainable. And so when we when we talk about some of the some of the pitfalls. These are some of the pitfalls. How can you expect a community organization to actually be a breath of fresh air, uh, to empower, right, and to do all these wonderful things in the community when we don't even have the funds to be able to help them become sustainable, right?
1: Right, right. right. And so, right. And we're talking about math, right? That this part, this part, right? We're just talking about math. And so, it's not like they don't understand, right? That it's underfunded. That's what I mean, right? It's 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 easy to understand that it's not underfunded. And so my my thing, and this is coming from an unprofessional in this particular field, I'll say as a community member, I'll speak as a member of the community, upon hearing that type of information, it it seems real negligible and almost intentional, right? Right, because if a program is underfunded and you know that, then why aren't we funding it? And if you're not gonna fund it, then why are you running it? To me, it seems like it's more for show, right? It's more for show, right? Where you have individuals who are really striving in their community to make these changes, and they're giving us a dog and pony show. If and that's what's get, happening, no, that we, as a, as a yeah, member of the we community, we can get into
0: the weeds. It's a lot of it's a lot of involved. But another pitfall I want to say is, you know, we have a lot of. Um, let me say this: we have a few. You know, there, there's a few individuals who. who who, who come from our background um, who now is looking at this as a new hustle sometimes, right? But there's also a few individuals who don't come from our background, Mm. right? Um, But who look like us. Mm -hmm.
2: Just because they your skin folk don't mean they your kin folk.
0: Come on, man. Come on, on, man. And so those individuals, they're the ones who get in the way of real community uh, uh, leaders doing real community work in the lives of these young folks, right? They're the ones who's coming with poisoned hands and inserting their hands in the lives of these young folks, right? And that's continuing to re-poison, re-traumatize, re-trigger our young folks because they shouldn't be there in the first place, right? Those are some of the pitfalls as well that we're talking about when we talk about community work, and that's just not in Washington State. That's everywhere, right? That's everywhere. And those are some of the 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 the, the, the pitfalls because. Again, it became a hustle. You got a lot of individuals who's getting, you know, who are getting great money because they got great grant writers, right? Um, But they're not able to do nothing with the money because they're not really in community. So what are they doing with the money? They're mismanaging their money, right? And so now that makes all of community looks and appears a certain way to certain funders who are giving certain money, right?
1: Right, right, right. Well, I can say one thing, man. The work you guys are doing. Is apparent. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? The work you guys are doing, the community sees, you guys are boots on the ground. You know, you guys are in what? You guys still in Echo
0: Glen, right? Green Hill. At Green Hill? So we were in Green Hill. We're, 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 we're getting ready to reach back out to them to uh, get reintegrated there. And that's one of their problems, too. Like, where we should be woven into the fabric of these juvenile institutions. We shouldn't just have a program here and a program there, right? Uh, we should be woven into the fabrics, unfortunately. A lot of things was happening um, at Green Hill because um, we were actually there doing COVID as well. Right. Peg is a first responder. Essential workers. Essential workers. That's what it is. Thank you for that. Yeah. And um, after our last group, you know, I just got a call last week from a youngster who was in our group. Like, hey, how are you guys in here? They told us that you guys are just not coming. Huh? Well, of course. we're well, 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 We would never. This is about you guys. Right. We would never just stop coming. But, you know, so I said that to say, you know, we was able to do some wonderful things at Green Hill for a number of years. But unfortunately, because of some of their staff situations that's happening over there, um, uh, we're not there right now. But we are looking forward to getting um, uh, reintegrated back into that Green Hill institution this year you are the kids? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, all, it's, love. Yeah, it's all love. It's all love and real
2: times. life. It's yeah, real yeah, life. Yeah, this on, ain't yeah. no studio. This is real life. It's real yeah. life, man. We out here.
1: But uh yeah, so uh you know, I don't I don't want to hold you guys too long, but before I let you guys go, I, I before I let you guys go, I definitely want to give you an opportunity to uh drop just some wisdom, right? And uh and I say that and I am going to say this to everybody who comes and sits on this couch, which is that uh you have a voice. You have a powerful voice, right? You have a lived experience that is unique, right? And there is something that you have to say that someone on this planet needs to hear, yeah. you know. And I would be remiss if I didn't give our our, our viewers an opportunity, man, to get you know blessed with an opportunity of learning from your experience, man. So if there's any anecdotal, any jewel of wisdom that you would mind dropping for the people, man, they would really love it, man, and I would too.
2: All right, so I don't know what my 3 cents is worth, but I'm going to go ahead and put my 3 cents in, okay. right? I thought it was and, 2 cents. Well, I work in 3, so for me it's 3. <laughs> don't ever forget that, right? So anyway, for those who know, no, it's esoteric. If you know, then you know. <laughs> oh, if you know. don't, then you don't. Oh, I know. Um listen, so anyway, um uh, what I wanted to say was I want to end on these points and that is that the first thing is I'm a butcher the I'm going to butcher this saying by Martin Luther King So I'm not going to try to say it verbatim. I'm just going to paraphrase, right? The quote and the quote is something like, um, it isn't the, the, the way you judge a man, isn't in terms of ease and comfort It's how he handles himself when he faces adversity. Right. And so I love the brother. I appreciate the brother. Right. I really know the true story about how he was coming out. Then he got killed. Right. But so the nonviolent Martin Luther King, that's who they want you to see, right? We know that that ain't the real guy. But anyway, I, let me get back. I digress, right? Let me get back on track. And what I'm saying is that they, he said the brother's point he was trying to make was that you find out who a person really is through adversity, not in times of ease and comfort. So I disagree with that. And you have a side point, right? And my counter point, right? And so my counterpoint is I use the brother Eddie Purpose, for example. And the example I use is if you look at us being in prison and you look at that as like a adversity, right? That's, that was an adversity we had to face. So it doesn't matter that I did 29 years, four months. It don't matter that he did 16. It don't matter that you did 23, it don't 21. It don't matter how much anybody did, right? Only thing matters is if you don't come back. Nobody cares how many you did, right? You could have did 70. You could be uh, you could be the brother Tony Wheat and did 55, right? right, right? Yeah. And, and if he turns around and comes back next week, you know what they're going to say? Yeah, he just came back. So to me, it isn't how you handled yourself in that moment of adversity. What's really more important is how you handle success. right? right. So the true measure of a man is not really seen in adversity. The true measure of a man is how he handles success. And if you look at him, And you look at how he's handled success because we need to look at success as being free. We need to look at success as him manifesting himself into this reality of this organization and what he's doing for the community. Mm -hmm. And think about how he's handling that success. Right. Mm -hmm. That's how you measure a man. And Mm -hmm. so we measure our folks. We need to measure our folks by how well they're handling success. Wow. And how he's, you act when you and win. He's, and he's handling success fantastically. Mm-hmm. How you act when you win. Exactly, man. How to be a good winner. How to be a good winner. Huh? Right, right. A good winner. Right, right, And right. so, you know, that's what we're gracious, talking about right? here. Yeah, in gracious, yeah. And so the last thing I would like to say is I really want to bring my wife into the space for a couple of reasons. For one, you know that I just got resentenced, right? Mm-hmm. And so what that did for me is I got resentenced to 30 years, and what that means is— I was out on clemency i was supposed to do the rest of my life first i was supposed to do the rest of my life in prison i got out on clemency then they told me i'm gonna be on clemency for the rest of my life right and now i just got resentenced to 30 years what that means is i did 29 years four months but i was free on community custody for just about two years so i got credit for 31 years three months time served so when they gave me 30 year sentence i actually served one year three months more than my current sentence so that effectively means I maxed out. So mm-hmm. they took me off clemency. The mm-hmm. governor called me and told me I'm no longer on clemency. Whoa, wait, the governor, the called, governor called me and told on, me wait, 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 I am wait. no longer on. Jay Inslee had his folks call me. You know, he ain't calling oh, okay. nobody. Say, he so he had his folks call, call me and say, me. You are no longer on clemency. Yeah. You know. Then I got to go report to my CCO and give him some paperwork and say, I ain't never coming home. He go, Boop! That's what I'm talking Yeah, about. I'm out. I ain't never coming back. Yeah. And so, boom, I, get, I gave him that. But here's the thing though, right? So my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time I was arrested, um, and she was able to come to my trial and she was able to give testimony and she was able to give testimony again at my sentencing mm-hmm. to try to get me some less time. Obviously that didn't work out. And then when, um, throughout the time I was in prison, we weren't in no boyfriend, girlfriend relationship. We just was relating back and forth through the mail every now and again, right? Mm-hmm. But When it came time for me to go to clemency, I was with somebody else. So I didn't allow her to come to my clemency. So she didn't get to participate in that. Mm. But when I came home, I was with her. And so I ended up being with the the last woman I was with in 1991 was the first woman I was with in 2021, right? Absolutely. And so to bring that story full circle, there still was a piece missing for her because she didn't play a role in my clemency. So she felt like she didn't play a role in me getting free. So now when I have my resentencing, it gives her the opportunity now to come and give some testimony about me being a husband and a, and a father and all these different things and what that meant for her and her life and what that meant for our life, right? So that was that's the first concept there. I, I needed to bring that whole full circle for me, right? So that's how things come full circle. The second thing is she taught me a really good lesson, bro, and a really good lesson is she taught me from her experience that being a woman— being a woman in the world and being involved in this criminal lifestyle that she's been in, she had to learn to heal and not just heal in one point, but to heal every day. So she does this thing where she has to take a bath at night and not to get clean. She takes her showers in the daytime, sometimes about day. but every single night she needs to take a bath because that's part of her healing. That's how she lets go of all the trauma and stuff she didn't have to deal with as a woman going through the world. And so I realized as a man in the world, there's certain things I need to heal from. Then as a black man, and then understand science enough to know about epigenetics, I know that the trauma that my folks face from slavery still resides in my genes. So as black folks, we have an extended trauma that we gotta deal with that she don't know nothing about. But I have to carry then being a man, there's certain things that I have to carry. Mm. Then on top of that, being a man who comes through this gang thing, right, mm. there's another trauma that I have to right. carry in through this. So now I, need, I have learned from her that I need to go through a cleansing every day mm. and every night and sit down. So I take some quiet time. I got to get mine in quiet time. Okay. So I close the door. I go in the room and get me some solitude and just think about whatever it is that's on my mind and on my heart at that time. And so my little wisdom for folks is, find a way to find some healing for yourself and make sure you do that every day. Not sometimes, not every Monday, not every time you go to the gym, but every single day. Like I said, my wife just takes a bath. For me, I just need some moments of solitude. Find out what works for you and make sure you get it. Because again, as men, as black men, and as black men who's came through this gang thing, we really have a lot of trauma we have a lot of trauma we ain't dealt with and we have some that we done dealt with that still hurts us yeah, listen, and we bro. have to have an opportunity to cleanse that, with ourselves nah, and, and come that. up off of that bro that. and so that's what i'm gonna leave you with those two things well, and you know that. that's thank my thank wisdom not, uh, for the table again i needed that again my three cents i don't know what it's worth but okay, there it is okay. right if you take know, it to the bank know. and spin it all
0: right that's the purpose <laughs> well you know you know to young folks man um Follow your intuition, follow that instinct, right? It's there for a reason. Mm. That radar that's telling you don't do something. That's Mm. radar that's telling you to do something, right? Um, It's something that you should trust because it's there for a reason. Call it spirit, call it God, call it the universe, call it energy, whatever it is. It's there for a specific reason. And I think oftentimes we fight against that, right? I've talked to many different individuals, including us. We had these conversations before in prison. There's always something that told us not to do what we did, that right? That little voice, that but little we, feeling, right? And so, um, and, and I would also say, in a lot, and uh, along the lines of that, is uh, just like we pay attention to the different street signs, do not enter, do not crawl, stop, yield, all that, we need to pay attention to the signs of other people, right? And so, other people will show you, like Maya Angelou said. If somebody shows you believe them the first time right who they are believe the first time and so i would definitely impart this upon the young folks is that when you see certain signs in other people you got to trust that right that do not enter do not cross, stop yield is there for a reason and we don't follow that just like in that car if we push past those three signs it's going to be collisions it's going to be crashes it could be death right? right same thing if we don't pay attention to signs of other people. It could be collisions, crashes, and deaths, right? Mm. And so we have to be mindful of that. Nice, and that's my nice. that's that's my piece for the young people. But my piece for the community in general is to trust community with community. We know what we've been through. We know what we experienced. Say it again. Say it again. Trust community with community. Come on. We know what we've been through. We know what these young folks are going through, and we are the ones who can be who who, who we're the only ones who actually give them the tools that they need. In order to save themselves invest more into community for community and it's not always about what you should or could be doing because you always could be doing something there's a quote that says if you're not part of the solution then you are the problem right and so what are you doing in your community right it's always it's always it's it's always easy to point the finger at at, 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 at what's happening up here right but what are you doing in your community come on right don't what all these issues that you're complaining about what are you doing to help fix those issues? Ooh, talk to them. Right? And so I'll leave it at that before it's my piece is my little tidbit, right? Ooh. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to get some water on that mic, cause that too is
1: hot. Absolutely. Yep. All right, well look, man, I'm really glad you guys came. I appreciate you guys, you know, coming here. I'm gonna go ahead and end it right now. I know
2: the appreciate kids- it, man. I appreciate it because it's about to get dark and I get I get away from these mean streets of Pew. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, 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 I want to say one more thing before we go, though. I want to give you your flowers, bro, because, uh, you know, uh, just like you, you, you gave us a platform to come speak about what we do, who we are, what, we, what we've been through a little bit, um, you know, I want to be able to just say that how much we appreciate you, right? Because I remember we, we've been having these conversations for the last few months, maybe a few years, about you getting your podcast going, and so for you to be able to provide a platform for individuals who have been incarcerated so like i said people don't realize when it comes to statistics we were all supposed to have been back incarcerated right based on recidivism right uh statistics however for you to be able to create this platform i love the name pros and cons right yeah we gotta weigh it out we gotta figure it out to man. give us a platform to be able to tell our stories the success stories be an example for brothers and sisters who's still coming out come on is something that uh that i think is a beautiful thing. And I want to commend you on that, and I thank you for that. I
1: appreciate it, man. That's what we do, man. We got to. Like you said, it's our obligations. Absolutely. With that being
0: said, we can wrap it
1: up.